The Film Guide with Sam and Chris, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to the St Albans Film Guide. Once again, it is Friday. That means it's Film Guide Day and the person guiding you mostly uh, this week is Dr. Sam Rolfe, who uh, Mark Commode once called his greatest mentor and (laughs) the person he most looks up to in film reviewing. Is that not correct? Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I try to keep it on the down low, but you and you and Mark, both both doctors. um, (laughs) Yep, definitely the same thing. I think so. Yes. Um, yeah. You. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yep. All doctors. If if you know a doctor, they probably know all the same stuff as any other doctor that you've ever met. Yep. That's how I it works. That's, right. that's what the doctor means. Yeah. Yeah. So it is the film guide. So there's a few parts to this thing. Part one will be starting with films uh, new to cinemas. Part two, films new to streaming. Part three, we're going to be uh, revisiting Sam's Friday Fright Night, uh, which we haven't done for a while. And part four, uh, Sam's picks of films on free-to-air television. So part one, like I said, is new to cinema. And we've got uh, quite a big release, actually, a big Oscar favourite so far, although it, it did surprisingly poorly in the BAFTA nominations that happened recently. It's Steven Spielberg's autobiographical The Fablemans. Okay, yeah. I When I was looking up about this, I wasn't sure if it was meant to be autobiographical or not, but I figured it was like at least semi-autobiographical. Yes. And I did see that it's dedicated to the memory of his parents who um, in the last sort of five, ten years have both passed away. But yeah, so this is, I mean, if you know anything about Steven Spielberg, which I'm sure you do, you know, major movie director, it's essentially seemingly uh, from the trailer about a young a young man who finds an interest and love for filmmaking, but has a lot of conflict from his family who want him to go on and, you know, do something useful with his life or whatever. And seemingly he gets a lot more, and this is just from the trailer, obviously I've not, I've not actually seen this yet. Um, He seems to get a lot of support from his mother, but perhaps not so much from his father. But then hopefully over time, we see that change, given that, you know, if we are following Steven Spielberg's story specifically, he doesn't, you know, he does all right out of it, doesn't he? I hope by the end of their lives, they had come to appreciate that he probably did quite well for himself, pursuing this career. yeah. And it, com- it comes up in the trailer, a line of dialogue where they say, you know, we've got the artist side of the family and the scientist side of the family. The phrasing essentially implies that art and science are like completely separate and non-compatible, which is a problematic, pervasive idea within society that, you know, creativity and logic don't like can't interact. And both, you know, science needs creativity and art needs science as well and is often influenced by science like i personally have worked with people in our in the creative arts department to create projects with them that we display at you know events and things and so it's all interwoven and i think it is quite damaging to say oh 
to say that they are like separate and non-compatible so i hope like this film shows that and doesn't sort of keep them separate i'm sure it will because well like like you say if science was only ever filled by rational straight down the line thinkers you know we wouldn't have had a lot of the great leaps of um discovery because you need someone to have that idea where it's like we know this okay listen this sounds crazy but and they explore it and it, it works out same way you need in art there to be obviously creative thinkers but also you need people who are very logical and straight down and like get things done because a movie would not get made if everyone was just a out of the box free thinking creative who's just you'd you'd have absolute chaos so (laughs) you need a mix for both things yeah absolutely so that is the fablemans Uh, that's the big release for this week but we also have a film called unwelcome yes that's right and you know i know nothing about it because we literally (laughs) just talked about this off air so i thought i thought maybe you'd at least (laughs) remembered what i said about it off air but okay let's go for it okay you try okay you try and remember what i said about it something about goblins (laughs) okay that's close enough so a young english couple moved to an inherited idyllic new home in rural ireland but soon beset by problems with the locals and a cabal of murderous goblins lurking in their garden Horrifying. So it sounds right up your street, Sam, as a film. It truly does, yeah. Set in Ireland as well. Amazing. So it's uh, it was it was it's been described as a home invasion movie. And it was pitched as Gremlins meets Straw Dogs. Uh, so it also has people like Jamie Lee O'Donnell from Derry Girls is in it. Cole Meany, classic Irish actor. Christian Nairn, who was in Game of Thrones. Uh, Hannah John Kamen, who played Ghost in in Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, and we'll be back in um, the Thunderbolts movie in the Marvel MCU. So, recognisable cast, and that is out uh, today as well. And there's one more on your list, which is called January, and it's out in January. That's right. So, this one is a very small release. It is only uh, less than 25 locations. So whether it's being released locally, I don't know. But it was also described as being released on on demand as of today, the 27th of January, 2023. I couldn't, it wasn't made clear where on demand. Anytime, (laughs) every article that I looked at, it just said on demand. I was like, okay, cool. Like, but where? (laughs) Like, help me out. Yep. I think it's available at least through Apple Television. Um, I found one evidence of that. I couldn't, you know, it's not it's not on Netflix that I could find. Obviously, you know, we look at the new to streaming, it wasn't on that list. But I wanted to put it on here because it sounded really interesting. And it's hard to Google because, yeah, if you type in January <laughs> or even just January film into Google or, you know, your search engine of yeah. choice, it's, yeah, anyway. But it's essentially, um, it's a Bulgarian film. And it's uh, described as an absurdist mix of elements of the folklore of northwestern Bulgaria with biblical allusions served as a base for the creation of a surreal tale. So I think it's a couple of brothers go into the woods, perhaps for work, I'm not sure exactly. And they end up sort of trapped in this weird situation um, where things get more and more sort of fairy tale and weird stuff starts happening. So it looks re- it looks quite interesting. And so I thought I'd just mention it. Perhaps a uh, where to next, Chris? 
Maybe. We haven't been to Bulgaria yet. Just putting it out there. Cool. So that's The Fableman's Unwelcome and January. New to cinema this week. Right, part two, we explore uh, what is new to streaming. So I see we've got a couple of films on here. Uh, We've got one, well, we'll start with the Netflix film. What do we have? So this is called Pamela, A Love Story, and it is out on the 31st of January, so Tuesday. So you'll have to wait a few few days for this. Uh, But it is a biopic documentary about Pamela Anderson, who people, the listener, may be familiar. Uh, Recently, there was a project called Pam and Tommy that came out which she had no input into and um, was reportedly blindsided by the, the fact that this was being made. She didn't get, she didn't um, consent to it being produced or sign off on any of the way that it was t- the store, her story was told or anything like that. So she was supposedly already uh, looking at creating this documentary several years ago, but obviously perhaps the release of that Pam and Tommy sort of sped up the process of wanting to like correct the record and so now she's had this opportunity to tell her story on her own terms and I personally didn't want to watch Pam and Tommy based on that report that she like wasn't okay Mm. with having it having been made but I would be quite interested to watch this and hear her story uh, from her point of view. Because Pam and Tommy was it was it was a mini series about the the theft of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's private sex tape. It was stolen from them and then got out and it was sort of, it became a big thing, people getting a hold of this sex tape. And yeah, younger listeners, I don't know if there are any younger listeners to this podcast. Um, You know, hi, thanks for coming, (laughs) if you are. But younger listeners may not know who Pamela Anderson is. She she was, for a time in the, the 90s, one of the most famous people in the world, thanks to Baywatch and other movies and TV, but just sort of modelling generally and and this sort of like celebrity culture as well. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see to see it sort of in her own words. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, catch that on Netflix in a few days' time. So that's Pamela, a love story. But then on Amazon, there's a new movie out. What is it? It is called Shotgun Wedding, and that is actually out today, so it's available now on Amazon Prime or Prime Video. And this is about a couple whose extravagant destination wedding is hijacked by criminals, and in the process of saving their families, they rediscover why they fell in love in the first place. So cute. (laughs) (laughs) You know I'm a romantic. I I do know that. That's... (laughs) If you were to ask anyone to describe Sam Rolfe in one word, it would be romantic. Exactly. So, yeah, this is kind of like an action. I don't know how much like comedy there might be, but judging from the trailer, I think it's it's both sort of an, it's an action comedy. Like there is okay. a fair amount of comedy. I mean, you don't hire people like uh, Jennifer Coolidge and Cheech Marin, Darcy Carden. Darcy Carden from The Good Place. You don't hire people like that. If it's not going to be a comedy. That's right. And in the lead, uh, one of the lead roles, we have Jennifer Lopez as well. Yes. And like she's, you know, I trust her judgment. I feel like, you know, she wouldn't make anything well, we're terrible. Gonna, we're going to talk about <laughs> if she wouldn't make anything terrible, did you say? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, 
that's a deep we could get into that, but I don't think we should. But we are <laughs> gonna talk about Jennifer Lopez later in part four. Are we not? That's right. Yes, we are. About one of her obviously stellar choices. Mm. But yeah, this, this is like good, good reviews. Actually, I, I would quite like to see this. It looks like good fun. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you're looking for some for some light entertainment with uh, some action, comedy and romance, then this is for you. Shotgun Wedding out today on Prime Video. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Part three is reserved for Sam's Friday Fright Night. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but we did, over the Christmas New Year break, uh, we did watch a horror movie, which which we spoke about briefly on when we did our awards a couple of weeks ago. The film is Bodies, 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 which uh, is uh, directed by Helena Rhein and stars Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Mahala Herald, Chase Sue Wonders, Rachel Sennett, Lee Pace, and Pete Davidson. And it's about a group of young people, well, Gen Zers, who get together for a hurricane party at a mansion uh, owned by one of their fathers. And while they're locked in, this hurricane's raging outside, they start playing a game of Bodies, 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 which is a sort of party game uh, which people get pretend murdered and there's a murder on the loose. People start dying during the game. But for realsies. Yes, but for realsies. Yeah, yeah it's not, that's not like the <laughs> twist or anything like that. Is that <laughs> we just watch them play a party game and then it's all fine and everyone leaves happily ever after in the morning. Yeah, like a few trees have blown down, like, you know, but... One window broke, but actually yeah. it's been okay. Everything everything else otherwise, fine, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we watched this, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. I liked, sort of, yeah, it's like a whodunit. It was like whodunit, essentially, really, wasn't it? Uh, because as soon as people started yes. dying, everyone, obviously, is suspicious of everyone else, and they end up trying you know they're they're then like stuck between surviving and having to trust everyone around them but but while at the exact same time everyone suspects everyone and doesn't want to you know be alone in a room with anyone else or but then there's the classic like everyone splits up the group splits away from each other and then that leaves time for the murderer to strike again that sort of thing yeah and and so obviously it's the it's the classic there there are a core group of people who do know each other. They are friends, but there are also rifts within that friendship group. Yeah. Uh, various things that have happened uh, to cause distrust anyway. Plus, there are a couple of people from outside the friendship group who are involved in the party. Um, we, we essentially, we, we start with... I mean, it's, it's an ensemble piece. It's not really like main characters, but we start with... Um, Amanda Stenberg, who uh, plays Sophie, and uh, Maria Bakalova, who plays B, 
they've only just been going out for a, sort of a few months, I think. And B's like a sort of young working class woman, um, whereas Sophie and her friends are all very wealthy. Um, but they're coming to this party, and yeah, when they get there, there's already tension uh, around. And I think, obviously, you know, being a sort of who done it, don't want to don't want to spoil anything, so I won't go too deep into it. But uh, to sort of talk more generally, the cast are really good, but Rachel Sennett, especially, who plays Alice, who's a a podcaster, and none of her friends listen to her podcast. Don't think it's any good. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But Rachel Sennett, we've spoken a lot about her in the on the pod in the past about Shiver Baby, because uh, mm-hmm. she was uh, excellent in that, and she's great in this. And every single one of her line readings is wonderful. She's like, yeah, she's going to be in loads of things in the future. I hope she's so. just going to sort so. of get bigger and bigger and bigger because I think she's a she's a particular high point in it. But also in terms of scary movies, we did watch. What some might consider a thriller, but you don't, because there was no spies in it. <laughs> that's right. Look, it's that's just the definition of thriller. That's okay, just what yeah. thriller means. Okay, sure. Yeah. We won't go into this discussion again. You can go. We can find the podcast whenever it was where we had this whole debate. But anyway, we watched a movie called Emily the Criminal, uh, which came out last year, and it was the directorial debut, and also written by uh, John Patton Ford. But produced and starring Aubrey Plaza, who many people know from uh, from Parks and Rec, sort of her thing that sort of brought her to a lot of people's attention. But she's been in loads of stuff. Aubrey Plaza, she's everywhere. She primarily is known for comedy, but has been more and more recently going into sort of dramatic roles. And it turns out she's very, very good at it because she stars as Emily, a woman who is. Uh, a former art student who is in lives in Los Angeles and finds herself stuck doing very low paid gig work and she cannot get better jobs because she has a felony conviction on her record from quite a few years ago and that prevents her from getting jobs and so one of her colleagues at this gig um work that she does which is the food delivery service basically tells her, oh, look, if you want to make some money quick, text this number. It's easy. Easiest $200 you're ever going to make. And she, she does that and gets involved in a criminal enterprise run by Yusuf and his cousin Khalil, who they run essentially a credit card fraud business. They send so-called dummy shoppers into shops with fraudulent credit cards, get them to buy really expensive things, get out of there, hand over the really expensive things, they get $200, jobs are good. And Emily just starts getting sort of offered more and more jobs. She starts getting involved with Yusuf, played by Theo Rossi, who a lot of people will know from things like Sons of Anarchy and Luke Cage. Uh, he's a very good actor. And Emily starts going down the criminal rabbit hole and starts making Sam Rolf more and more tense as every minute passes watching yeah, this film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like sweating just re-rem- like re-remembering <laughs> this movie. I mean, you can totally understand why she makes these decisions. She feels like painted into a corner in terms of her earning power due to society's distrust of someone. You know, her conviction was aggravated assault, I think, but it was like to do with a partner. An ex-boyfriend, and it was 
quite a few years before a years ago. Yeah, and it's like you know what. Well, that, that's what. The, what has the, that got to do with her? You know, whatever role she was applying for, I can't remember now. Well, this is this is what the 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 film's title has has several meanings because it's Emily the criminal in that she gets she becomes a criminal through like as the film goes on, but also at the same time. What you know, it's kind of like once a criminal, always a criminal. Is that society views people who have a conviction for something as being thus sort of ultimately untrustworthy, and as she gets sort of beaten down more and more by society and people trying to screw her over in all sorts of different ways, like her boss at the gig job, the food delivery service, basically uh, cuts her hours or makes her work longer hours. And there's nothing she can do about it. Yeah, because it's zero hours contract, so it's just whatever. Hey, whatever he, gives he her. says, then that's it. She she's got to do it. Oh, she quits. I I thought as well. What's what was interesting is the character of Yusuf, who she she gets you know more and more involved with as the film goes on. I thought he was very interestingly written and played because he's a he's a character who in a lot of movies he he's a criminal. He's running a credit card fraud thing. He's a bad person. But he's not—he's not played that way. He's played that—he's played in a, and written in a way with a lot of humanity and empathy. He's at the same time—he's trying to do—he's trying to do a lot of things right, but doing them in sort of ways that are not right. That was sort of yeah. very poorly put. But <laughs> so he, yeah, he—I think he, he has dreams. He wants to get out of that. I think. He's he's doing but, it to get to an end point where he can then yeah. get out and then never do it again. Yeah, but I imagine in a similar way that Emily feels forced into it, he probably was. He probably started that way as well. Because at the same time, he's he's an immigrant to the country. Yeah, he uh, an immigrant to the US. His possible avenues for careers and stuff would be limited uh, by that. He's trying to he's trying to make his mother proud, and but also he's he's sees something in Emily that he sort of likes and wants to he wants to help her as well. He's not out to do like for himself. He actually wants to help her do what she wants to do. She wants to do yeah. art and he's like, oh well you should do art. You should do, you should be able to travel. You should do things like that. And I thought it was just sort of an interesting relationship which could have been done like tons of movies have done in sort of less interesting ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it just sort of shows that how much, like, I, I mean, we all live it day to day. Like, how much money is control, like, controls people's options in life. You know, there are so many people that have a creative talent and and want to use it, or just to just to enjoy it, not necessarily not necessarily even you know become a huge artist or whatever, but because of the fact that Emily, in this example, doesn't have the opportunity to get a job where she can actually use those skills, they're like left by the wayside and she never gets to, like she would potentially never get to ever showcase them in any way, um, whether that be in like a graphic design job or some other like creative route, you know, and it, you can just imagine the number of people that are trapped in this similar cycle of making ends meet, essentially, that you can understand why she turns to that criminal like enterprise because there's no so- social support for someone who has like a conviction like that. That, you know, 
often, yeah, like you said, once a criminal, always a criminal, because prison system, especially in the US, is not designed for rehabilitation. It's designed to profit the people that own the prisons, and they want people in prison. And so if you can get people end up re- you know, reoffending, that's more important to them than actually rehabilitating people and getting them to become a functional member of society in a way that, you know, benefits them and society you you also have 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 characters like so her her best friend liz is they went to college together in new jersey they're both now in los angeles her best friend liz you see she appears to have she appears to have a really good job she's seemed to have everything together like her apartment's really nice and everything like that but at the same time later on in the film you see she is all trapped in a different way uh, when you meet liz's boss and mm. so it's like there's different levels. We, I, I think though the talking talking about the sort of larger themes of it all maybe detracts from because it, it's it's got a lot sort of going for it thematically wise, and sort of what it tries what it's trying to say. But also it's just over an hour and a half long. It's a pretty neat sort of thriller and like mm. relentless thriller. It's we shouldn't make it seem like it's some sort of like grandiose sort of treatise on on. The working class and stuff. It is e- equally a very sort of entertaining, taut, uh, thrilling film that had you shaking your head repeatedly as sort of <laughs> the, you know stuff gets the the tension ramps up. Absolutely, yeah. Oh no, I was, I was on the edge of my seat. You were literally at one point <laughs> leaning forwards. You would stop sitting. You weren't sitting back in the sofa. You were sitting up, just hands on your knees, uh, chin on your hands, and just like be like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" Yeah, definitely. But uh, Emily the Criminal, available on demand uh, online. And for any listeners in the US, it's available on Netflix in the US. There you go. If you're listening in the US, do email us, sam at com or chris at com. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you're listening in the UK also. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello. Do uh, get in contact with us. I don't think we've said this for a few episodes. So uh, yeah, do freely get in contact with us. And if you've got any comments on any of the films that we chat about or have any recommendations of films you think we might enjoy based on the kind of things we we, uh, watch, then let us know. Yes, please do. Right, part four of the film guide um, is Sam's picks of films on free-to-air television for the forthcoming week. And Sam, it looks like for the first time in quite some time, you've managed to pick a film on every single day until next uh, podcast. And also, you haven't just gone for like horror movie things or like sci-fi film sort of stuff called like Godzilla Kong fights invaders from Pluto or something like that. When's that on? <laughs> so what's on on Friday? To, that's tonight, the 27th of January. Seems like we've got something on BBC Three. What is it? It is called Poltergeist. <gasps> Ooh, spooky. Uh, so yeah, this is a horror, um, you know, starting at my roots. Uh, this is the 1982 haunting of uh, a house where a creature, an entity, interacts with the residents and i'm describing it very broadly because i've not actually seen it before so this is why part of the reason i put it on my list yes and you've also made a note that it's also on thursday the 2nd february at B- on bbc3 at 9 p.m so they're showing it twice in a week yeah that's right i just like i'm not actually going to be home on tonight at 9 p.m so you're out partying yeah yeah 
And so I I probably am going to hopefully watch this, uh, but I thought, you know, given that it's on twice in the same week, I just give the listener the option in case they're also not available. That's very fair. That's very fair. So, well, this is where JLo's coming back into the equation. Saturday, 28th Jan on Channel 4 at 9pm, it's Hustlers. That's right, yeah. So J-Lo in a uh, more serious role, more dramatic role, um, compared to what I imagine Shotgun Wedding is going to be like. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet. You can't possibly comment. Well, this is true, but based on the bit of the trailer that I watched. Sure. So this is about how she uh, works in a strip joint, I want to say. Yes. You've seen the film, Sam. Yes, I know, but I didn't know if that was the correct. It was like a club or whether, but it is specifically like a strip joint. Yeah, and, and there's pole dancing and things like that, yes. Pole dancing, yes. It's also got, it's also partly about credit card fraud and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So similar, similar sort of um, themes where, you know, money is king and all that. And they are recruiting women and sort of got this kind of pyramid scheme almost so (laughs) i'm vaguely remembering this now so basically they they start so these strippers in new york they begin to steal money by they they basically drug stock traders and ceos who visit the club and then run up their credit cards exactly while they're there spending on drinks and all sorts of things and they make themselves very rich on it yeah and then they all lived happily ever after the end. Yes, that's how it ends. So you should watch that on Channel 4 at 9pm. Sorry to spoil the ending for you. But yes. I, I will just say it was very good. And I thought, you know, hence why I'm recommending it. <laughs> I think in case I made it sound crap. <laughs> well, uh, Hustlers stars Constance Wu, who is also in the star of the film on Sunday the 29th of January on BBC One at 10.30. That's Crazy Rich Asians. And there you go. It's like you planned this. Sure. It's I haven't seen this, but um it also has Michelle Yeoh. It does. Um, who uh we obviously were very complimentary about last time a couple of weeks back for her role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, I think I'd like to watch this. That's yeah, I've got nothing else, Chris. What else? <laughs> well, it was a film we again we discussed it uh, during our awards that showed Kihai Kwan, who's for Best Supporting Actor Oscar um, for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And my pick of... Uh, he, was, he was my award for Best Actor uh, in our awards. Uh, it it showed him... he It convinced him to try and get back into the movie industry, give, it, give acting another shot, because he saw that people were making films about people like him now. There were actually films about Asian people where they weren't like butt of a joke or anything like that. So, Or just like the taxi driver or whatever. Yeah, it convinced him to give it another go, that there were roles out there for people like him. Got everything everywhere all at once. He's probably going to win an Oscar for it. So there you go. And starring, like you said, opposite Michelle Yeoh. So go him. Monday, 30th of January, 9pm on Film 4, we have War of the Worlds. That's right. This is the 2005 remake, reboot reimagining adaptation um, adaptation that's the word of um hgl's classic war of the worlds where you have invaders from mars and in this case we've got tom cruise playing like the lead uh, character and he has um, a family that 
he's kind of like deadbeat dad. Is that is that an unfair um, phrasing? He he works a lot. He's a bit sort of like neglectful, sort of, but like not in a not an intentionally sort of abusive way. But yeah, just sort of a bit. He's not as involved in his kids' lives as he he should be. No. So he and his wife are separated, yep. um, possibly divorced. I can't remember. So yeah, he only sees his kids like every other weekend or something like that. And, you know, it just so happens <laughs> the one weekend that he has them, aliens invade. Yeah. Bummer. And so it's, you know, obviously he's kind of disconnected from his children. He's trying to save them from an alien invasion. Yeah. And, you know, the plan the plan is like, right, let's get back to their like old family home where the mom still lives with her new partner and find them as well and like try and survive this attack. It does have like a lot of the elements of the sort of original H.G. Wells story. Obviously, like this is set in modern, modern times. H.G. Wells set Victorian England. This, yeah, set in America as well. And it, well, it doesn't, yeah, so it has this family, which is not uh, the case in the original. And some of the sort of original characters are drawn upon uh, in this adaptation. Got Tim something. Robbins. Robbins. Uh, he's like kind of a mix between two characters from the original. I think as an adaptation, it's actually pretty good. Like, I liked what they did with it. They took like, you know, it's essentially the beginning, middle and end up, end up being the same, but with sort of a modern twist on it. Compared, you know, compared to like there was a 1950s version. There's been like a couple of other adaptations. You got like the Jeff Wayne musical version, the Orson Welles radio yep. play, but kind of and like sort of here and there some other things. Like more recently, there was a BBC adaptation of it as well. Yes, and but I still think this is probably the best adaptation, like visual adaptation that I've seen of it. Like the Jeff Wayne musical is is you know pretty pretty classic, but. If you haven't seen this, I would recommend it as like a, you know, a sci-fi horror almost uh, action as well. Well, it is a it is a Steven Spielberg film as well, so it is yes, and they did a lot of work on like the sort of alien, like the creation, the way the aliens move, like when you see the aliens and they're like based uh, because like classically the alien spacecraft, like not spacecraft, but like they're the craft they use to move around on on the on the ground are like the tripod, and so they took that idea and put that onto the alien body as well. So, like the reason that it's a tripod is because the aliens themselves are tripedal as well. So that was quite cool. I'm struggling to remember the girl's name now. Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning, yeah. Uh, so this was kind of like I think she might have been in some other stuff, but like this was one of her first major movies. I want to get. I want to say. Um, I might be wrong, but obviously she's done quite a few movies since as well. And I think she plays a distressed eight to 10 year old extremely well. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you act an alien invasion when you're that, that age, you know, it's a quite a, an amazing thing to do. So pretty impressive. Well, that is on Monday, at film for 9 PM on Tuesday, 31st of Jan, We've got John Carpenter's classic, Assault on Precinct 13. It's on Legend at 9. 
That's right. So this is a siege movie. Love a siege movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of put this in there for you, Chris. I know we watched yep. it like relatively recently, a 1976 sort of classic, yeah, action siege film. Well, if if you know why why should why would you pick this siege movie over any other siege movie? Well, one John Carpenter. John Carpenter's The Thing is one of my favourite movies of all time. Uh, I do enjoy, enjoy John Carpenter. It's, it's well, I mean, the basic premise is that a, a hardened criminal has been moved into, has has to sort of, uh, is being transferred between between jails. Uh, they have to make a stop off at this, at this precinct, this police precinct in Los Angeles that's closing down. It's literally like the last night it's going to be open. There's a skeleton crew of people there. And away from that, there's a a guy who's being chased by a gang, and he seeks refuge in the place, in this uh, precinct. And this gang start coming for him, and they start assaulting Precinct 13. Although, actually, funny thing is, uh, the police station in the film is not Precinct 13. It's no. actually called a completely different precinct. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Yeah, I think like 10. <laughs> and they, you hear it as being that, but they just decided that Assault on Precinct 13 was a better name. And it's like, there you go. Well, yeah. why not? It does sound pretty catchy, to be fair. So that's on Tuesday, 31st January, 9pm on Legend. Two more to go. We've got Wednesday, 1st of February, Deep Impact at 6.40 on Film 4. So this uh, came out sort of same year as Armageddon. Um, you get these like movie couplets where it's a similar theme or plot line or whatever. And yeah, this is a comet heading towards the Earth. And instead of where you've got in Armageddon, the story is following, you know, the crew of people that are going to try and stop the impact occurring. Uh, I think in this case, you know, they don't. I don't know if they even try to do anything about it. It's just it's going to happen. So I, I think they do, but yeah, oh, maybe they do because maybe it gets split up into a couple of pieces. But it's been a long time since I've seen this. But it's got um, you've got Morgan Freeman as the president of the United States, and uh, what they end up doing is like kind of having a, a sort of lottery system where people get chosen literally at random to go into bunkers and obviously you don't have how many hundreds of millions 300 million uh, spaces for all the entirety of the united states population to go into a bunker um and so there's sort of like more of a uh, social tension and follows a few different characters and like what they end up doing as it becomes you know up to the point of the impact and like i say i haven't seen this for a long time and a few like brief reviews as I was looking at what movies to pick you know people were sort of saying like that it wasn't like that good a quality of movie but I remember crying a lot at how sad it was <laughs> because you know end of the world pretty sad so very similar to Wallace and Gromit then yeah oh gosh yeah uh, it's Tuesday the 2nd of February rounding off your pick of films on free to air television on BBC4 at 9pm The Imitation Game yeah I have to say I haven't seen this either but it is one on my list so this is about Alan Turing who uh, was a great mathematician 
who uh, helped solve a lot of issues and problems um, with like decoding messages and things uh, in the war. Yes, decoding decoding the Enigma machine. Yeah, uh, during the Second World War, and he was like subsequently treated utterly disgustingly um, due to the fact that he was gay and has since been, you know, pardoned for breaking what was the law back then, uh, which was utterly, utterly disgusting and ridiculous um, in the first place. And of course, uh, has been put on the £50 note now, which um, I don't know who sees those. Um, <laughs> maybe we could go for something a bit of a smaller denomination if we were really that bothered about um, providing some kind of way of sort of giving him the recognition he deserved. But yeah, so this, yeah, this is about him in in that um, co-breaking scenario at the time, you know, and played by Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm very proud of you for remembering that. Thank you so much. <laughs> that sounds patronising and uh, and it was. Oh no, it wasn't because I, I no, because I don't know it. I don't <laughs> remember anything ever, so... So that's The Imitation Game, 9pm of BBC4, and that is your pick of films on free-to-air television and your podcast for this week. That's right. That does bring us to the end of the podcast. So as I mentioned before, do get in touch. Sam at pod... Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sam at podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that'll get there. Yeah, just give that one a bash. Uh, No. So Sam at com. Or if you'd prefer to chat to Chris, you can email him on chris at com, And um, we'll be back in a couple weeks' time. And in between then and then, we will be hearing from Howard Linsky and Danny Smith uh, with their episode on the first Friday of February. Yeah. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye.